Hello and welcome to Not Just the Sports Report. Today I'm going to be jumping into my NRL 2022 season preview for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Now, uh, the last time they were really successful was the 2010 season under Wayne Bennett. They haven't had a lot of luck since then. None of the coaches have been able to replicate the same kind of success that Wayne Bennett was in his time at the Dragons. Now, uh, speaking of Wayne Bennett, the current coach of the Dragons is Anthony Griffin, who was actually an apprentice to Wayne Bennett at the Brisbane Broncos, and Hook also, or better known as Anthony Griffin. Uh, He coached at the Brisbane Broncos as the head coach for a little while there, and he also coached at the Penrith Panthers. Now, the Dragons are also a really special team to support, just due to their past success. Like, they won, I think, 16 or something, Premierships in a row back in the day when they had Reg Gaznia, a lot of other names. I wasn't born. I wasn't even close to being born. Uh, So I didn't see it go down, but I feel like what happened in that time was so special so that the people who do support the Dragons now, there's still that weight of like, I think I think that's the best team that's ever existed in rugby league. So, And it's you can't really compare things from different times and different eras. Uh, but in terms of like the GOAT rugby league side, I think it is that St. George Illawarra Dragons side. So there's a certain level of expectation that does come with playing for the Dragons. And even if it's a subconscious thought, like the supporters would definitely know that they're involved with a special club and there's kind of that expectation uh, for greatness and to win premierships. If their old team, I don't know if it was 16 in a row, they won like a hell of a lot in a row. It was definitely over 10. Uh, and if they can do that, then it's there's kind of that expectation. It's like you guys can at least win one every now, every now and then. But it is hard. The NRL is set up in a totally different way now. There wasn't a salary cap back then. So it's, yeah, you can't really compare. It is like apples and oranges, but I do think it would be a really special team to support just because of that past success. Uh, And I've always really liked the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Now, another little thing about the Dragons is that they have a heap of Brisbane Broncos players or former Broncos players. They, of course, just let go of Corey Norman, but they've got guys like Andrew McCulloch, their captain Ben Hunt, Jaden Sewer, who they've just signed, Josh McGuire, uh, I'm sure there's a couple of others there that are escaping me, Jack Bird. Uh, all of these guys have spent time at the Brisbane Broncos, which is interesting because so has Anthony Griffin, but he obviously knows that these guys can do a job for him. And for the most part, they did last year. So I think Anthony Griffin really seems to know what he's doing in terms of his signings and kind of the way that he is structuring his squad. Now, a couple of the players that I loved in the recent years for the Dragons, when I first started watching, uh, my favourite player was Mark Gaznia. He was actually my favourite player in the whole competition. I loved watching him play. Uh, I liked Matt Cooper as well. Brett Morris, when he was at the Dragons, was awesome. Uh, there's a lot that escape. Michael Wayman, I enjoyed too. And there are a lot of others that uh, do escape me. But yeah, Mark Gaznia, that was one note that I did have that he was my favourite player in the NRL when I first started watching. Now, my current favourite players, uh, I really like Talatau Amone, Jaden Sullivan, Tyrell Sloan, the Fair Guy Twins, Moses Suli, Zach Lomax. There are a lot of players on this Dragons list that I think are really talented. And I, I'm not sure whether the Dragons are going to have like a great amount of success this year. But I think Anthony Griffin has more of a long-term view, and I think what they're building towards is going to be really special. I think similar to what the Panthers have done, 
taking that longer term approach can pay off. And I think that's what the dragons are doing here. And I think there are a lot example, uh, a lot of examples, sorry, that I will get to throughout this preview as to why I think Griffin is setting this term up for long term success, but also in the immediate term to have them contending for the top eight. And I do think they have the squad most definitely to do that this season. They've got a really good core squad with plenty of them having years of significant contributions ahead of them. And that's not just in their back line too. Uh, They've also got names like Cody Ramsey in the back line, but their forwards are a highlight. Blake Laurie, uh, Jack DeBellin, Tarek Sims, who looks like he'll leave the club at the end of the year, but these are all really quality forwards. Josh Kerr as well, who could be going to the Dolphins. I'm not too sure, but I think... He'll most likely stay with the Dragons. It depends what their best 17 ends up looking like throughout this season. Now, in my opinion, the Dragons, along with the Raiders, are two of the sleeping giants of the competition. I think their mix of experience and then really quality young players, a lot of them yet to debut in the NRL, uh, I think that holds them in really good stead. And I think even if they lose players with the salary cap and things like that, I think they're producing some really quality young players So I think the Raiders and the Dragons are two of the sleeping giants of the competition. I'm predicting the Dragons to be a powerhouse within the next five to ten years. I think they've got all the right guys there. It's just, it's now putting experienced guys around them, which is one thing that Anthony Griffin has done an amazing job of in terms of his signings for this season, which is something that I will get to a little bit later on. Now, one thing that was lingering over the Dragons was the Jack DeBellin saga over the last couple of years. That has now been resolved, to the best of my knowledge. Well, he'll be able to play, uh, so I think it, I guess it has been resolved. So Jack DeBellin is going to be playing for the Dragons. They no longer have that hanging over the club, and he is such an important part of their club. He was an absolute standout in the under-20s for the Dragons. He was their captain. He's kicked on to such great heights in the NRL. Just before he uh, had to stand down, he was playing State of Origin for the New South Wales Blues. So he was at a very high level. And we saw towards the back end of last year that he can still play at a really high level. And I think with the preseason and no uncertainty hanging around, I think he'll be set for his best season in a number of years. Another splot is going to be a splot. (laughs) My bad. Uh, Tarek Sims. It looks like the Dragons are keen to get rid of him. Uh, Maybe just the thing with the salary cap. Anthony Griffin seems to like to manage his roster in a certain way. So Tarek Sims, it seems like this is going to be his last season at the Dragons. He played for the New South Wales Blues last year. He's been one of their most consistent forwards for a number of years now. So that will be a huge loss. It looks like maybe the Parramatta Eels, but there are a few clubs that are looking at Tarek Sims. He'll be primed for a big year for the Dragons, though, and I think it's still really handy having him around this year for the same reasons that I listed, Uh, just having those quality, experienced players around a heap of young stars. And the Dragons do have some good young back rowers in the mix that they are bringing through slowly. Now, the Dragons just haven't been the same since Wayne Bennett left. They had Steve Price as the coach, not the Bulldogs player, but uh, he was their assistant coach. Uh, During Wayne Bennett's successful era at the Dragons, Steve Price since went to the Warrington Wolves in uh, the Super League, and he also was an assistant coach at the Cronulla Sharks, potentially even the season when they won the Premiership, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. And then club legend Paul McGregor took over at the Dragons. 
he had had mixed success. Sometimes they went really well and it looked like he was the right coach and then sometimes things just did not go to plan. So that's it's kind of been a strange time in the last decade for the Dragons, but now it seems like they have the right man in Anthony Griffin. I think he's an underrated coach. I think he did really well in the small time he was given at the Broncos and then he did an amazing job at the Panthers, was sacked when he was in the top eight. Uh, that was one of the most controversial sackings we've seen in a long time. Uh, and then since then, we've seen the Panthers win the premiership. A lot of that was Ivan Cleary. There are a lot of contributions. Um, Phil Gould. I was going to say Paul Gould, whoever the fuck that guy is. Uh, and then, yeah, like the Panthers situation, they got rid of Griffin. They didn't get Cleary in straight away, but just the way it went down was really strange that they just didn't think he was the right man for the job. But if you look at the Panthers now and how shortly after they achieved premiership success. I do think that Anthony Griffin played some hand in that. I don't know the levels of everyone's contribution, but Anthony Griffin definitely played a part in that. They weren't going poorly when he was sucked. Uh, And so that's one of the things that I think is really worth noting. I think he's a great get for the Dragons, and I think he's going to be their long-term coach. I hope he gets a couple more years to continue to build his roster and develop these young players because that has always been the strength of Anthony Griffin's. He was the under-20s coach for the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, the year they made the under-20s grand final, I think it was the first ever one against the Canberra Raiders. And they lost, but they had players like Josh Maguire, who still plays for him now. Uh, I think Andrew McCulloch was in that squad, Ben Hunt, Corey Norman, um, Josh Hoffman, I don't know whether I said Maguire or Hoffman, but both of them played. So Anthony Griffin, his real strength is bringing young players through. He did that at the Broncos. He did that at the Panthers. He is doing that at the Dragons, and I think it'll take some time for everything to work out. But I really rate the fact that he signed a lot of experienced players, even though they were guys that maybe aren't marquee signings at this stage in their career, like Aaron Woods or Moses Embai. But they're players that will really help the younger guys and they know what to do at NRL level. They know how to prepare well. They'll have advice to give out. And they're still quite handy players, so they'll be able to contribute at first grade level as these young guys kind of take their time to develop. You don't want to rush them like the Broncos situation where they had all these young stars and it can kind of scar them. So I think the way that the Dragons have set up their roster under Anthony Griffin is absolutely Perfect, and that's why I think they are a major contender for the top eight this season. As for their captain, Ben Hunt, he is coming off a career best year, in my opinion. He had a great year the year that he made the grand final with the Broncos, and then, of course, we know he had that shocking ball drop, which sucked for him. But last season was the best I've seen from him. He was the captain, he played the best footy, a great kicking game, and he really matured as a leader. Then he played in State of Origin after New South Wales had belted Queensland two games in a row. Ben Hunt stood up and he jumped into the number nine jersey, scoring two tries and Queensland beat New South Wales. So he's coming off a career best year. And I I, I didn't rate Corey Norman as the halves partner for him at the Dragons. I think they're going to go significantly better with either Talatau, Amone or Jaden Sullivan long term. And then eventually Ben Hunt will move on and there is potential for both Sullivan and Amone to be the long-term halves. But at this time, Ben Hunt is like the perfect guy to have in there with an elite young junior talent. Ben Hunt's been there. He was the 2008-7, I think it was 2008, 
uh, Toyota Cup Player of the Year, Under-20s Player of the Year. So he's always been rated really highly as a junior coming through the grades. He kind of knows what it's all about, so he'll have great advice and he'll be a great harvest partner for whichever of the young guys gets the number six jersey. The Dragons 2020 season was very unfortunate. They were going unbelievably well. A lot of people had them for the wooden spoon, including myself. They exceeded everyone's expectations and looked like they like English deteriorating. Sorry, I need some water. Uh, they looked like they were going to make the finals and then there was the barbecue incident. So I won't jump into that too much, but Paul Vaughan had the infamous barbecue. Players got suspended. A lot of weeks were affected in terms of their team list and they didn't make the eight. Uh, and yeah, I, I won't say too much about that culture, their culture of the club. I think like, yeah, they got told not to do it, which is pretty shitty that they went and did it. But everyone makes mistakes. Like I think the price Paul Vaughan especially played or paid, sorry, having his contract torn up and like the scrutiny, scrutiny from the media. That's that's already enough, more than enough for the barbecue incident. So I don't really have a lot to say on that. It just like people make errors of judgment, and the barbecue was one of those. And they beat the Warriors. So you know what? Fuck them. You know uh, they deserve to get suspended. Don't go for the barbecue after the Warriors, man. Like the disrespect. But no, honestly, I, I didn't mind the barbecue thing that much. Uh, what Paul Vaughan has gone through since, I think, outweighs the barbecue thing in terms of, like, shitty experiences. So, yeah, I'll move on from the barbecue now. But that was a major thing that hampered the 2021 season. I'm sure it'll play a part in their narrative, regardless of how the season goes as well. Now, in all of my podcasts for my season previews, I have been doing an X-Factor player or listing an X-Factor player. And my X-Factor player for the Dragons is Jack Bird. He was a Dragons junior, a standout in the back row at under-20s level, played for the under-20s Blues as well, looked a real prospect, and then he ended up moving to the Cronulla Sharks, debuted there at 5'8 for the Sharks like a few years ago, I can't remember, and he was unbelievable. I think he might have even won Rookie of the Year that season. Unbelievable season at 5'8 in the halves for Jack Bird. Uh, at the Cronulla Sharks, he ended up winning a premiership there at centre as well, which is worth noting, with James Maloney being the 5'8 that year. Then Jack Murd, Jack Murd, <laughs> Jack Bird, sorry, moved to the Brisbane Broncos on a big money deal, and things just did not work out with injury, form. It was a really torrid run for him. He ended up moving back to the Dragons last year, his junior club, and he looked a lot better. Things just seemed to click. Maybe just having, I don't know, it, I don't know if New South Wales that theory is a thing, but maybe just being in New South Wales is the place for him to be because then it, I guess he would just have more people that he knows because he grew up there uh, for support networks and stuff if he does get injured, whereas when he was getting injured and stuff in Brisbane, he may not have had that same support network. So he looks to be thriving at the Dragons. Last season we saw him play mainly at left centre, but then he also jumped into the back row as well. I'd love to see him at lock. I know Jack DeBellin is most likely going to be the starting number 13, but I'd actually like to see DeBellin in the front row. I really like Jack Bird at lock. It depends how his body's going to hold up, otherwise maybe put him on the edge. But you've got Tarek Sims, at least for this year, and Jaden Sewer, although maybe they'll look to put Jack Bird 
long term in that left uh, second row position. But Jack Bird is my X-Factor player. He is a player who has potential to break a game wide open. He is one of the most talented players in the competition. So I'm really excited to see Jack Bird go around for the Dragons this season. I think we'll see him fill a multitude of positions. And that could open up a door maybe potentially for a New South Wales Blues jersey once again. So if the Dragons can go well, I think Jack Bird is a huge part of that. Finding the right position for him, that's a major, major key for the Dragons to be successful this year. As I said, I'd love to see him in the lock forward jersey, but I can also see him playing in the centres and I can see him playing in the second row. So we'll see what Anthony Griffin decides in terms of the best makeup for his team. Now, there's a few positions up for grabs too. The fullback position is up for grabs. We saw Matt Dufty leave. There was a lot of talk about, well, it just the fans didn't really want him to leave because he was the attacking threat for the Dragons. He was creating almost all of their points alongside Ben Hunt. Uh, and then now he's left to the Bulldogs. So Matt Dufty is out. Cody Ramsey is being touted as the one who's going to get the first crack at fullback. But I actually really like Tyrell Sloan. He's the guy I'd be putting in. I've loved what I've seen from him. I think he can handle NRL level. And I like Cody Ramsey a lot on the wing. I think Ramsey can be a fullback, and I'd like to see him get the first crack. I'm happy to see that happen. Uh, But in terms of just my opinion, I do think that Tyrell Sloan is going to end up being their long-term number one fullback option. I love the way he plays the game. He's extremely quick. And I think with guys like Sullivan and Amone around him as well, Now's the right time to pick these young electric guys and let them come through the grades together. Uh, A few examples, or at least one example, of when you put quality young talent together. Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith, and Billy Slater at the Melbourne Storm. If you can get a few of these really quality young guys, and it's a different situation with these players, but if you can get these young guys with quality, experienced heads and the right... or quality, Quality, experienced heads around them, sorry recording this in a different way today, uh, then that can really maximise their potential. So I've got Tyrell Sloan in for a big season. Same for Cody Ramsey. The fullback position is up for grabs. It's the same case for the 5'8 position as well with Jaden Sullivan and Talatau Amone, both gunning for the starting halves spot. One situation at the Dragons as well that interests me is the dummy half position. You've got Andrew McCulloch, who was outstanding there last season, but they don't really have anyone else there. They had Freddie Lussick come over from the Roosters on loan last season, but he's gone back to the Roosters. Uh, And they had Jaden Sullivan fill in there, but he is a half for mine. He's not a natural dummy half. And I do think that is an area of concern, especially considering McCulloch is a bit older and he has had injury concerns. Not a heap of them. He's been very durable throughout his career. But if Andrew McCulloch goes down, then I think that's going to be a massive loss for the Dragons. And I do have big question marks on whether they are going to be able to rebound from a loss like McCulloch. They could put Ben Hunt there and have the two young guys in the halves. But I think at this point in Ben Hunt's career, he doesn't need to be switching around positions. I think he's best utilized as a number seven. Another note that I have is that Jonathan Rubin has signed a development deal with the Dragons. I was keeping an eye on whether an NRL club would give him a go, just considering how consistent he has been for years at Queensland and New South Wales Cup level for teams like the Sunshine Coast Falcons, Townsville Blackhawks. He played under-20s at the Canberra Raiders, uh, played at the Redcliffe Dolphins, I think, last or 2020, 
And then last season, he was a part of the North Devils Queensland Cup winning 2021 side. So I've been waiting to see Jonathan Rubin get another crack at an NRL squad. And he's been given a development deal with the Dragons. So keep an eye on that. I think he'll mainly play in reserve grade, but he's a great player at reserve grade level. And I think he's a great depth signing for the Dragons. I'd like to see him get at least a couple of games at some point throughout the season. But he does have competition for spots with some really quality young players, uh, as well as the incumbent right winger in Michele Ravalawa. Now I'll touch on the experience signings. They've really done well to get the right mix of experience and youth. And this could pay off big time. The signings like Aaron Woods could end up being highly underrated value buyers for the Dragons. And I think that's something that not a lot of people are talking about, but I think they've made some really good signings that aren't breaking the bank. It's not going to set them back and mean that they're going to have to offload players. They've really balanced their cap well to get a quality NRL top 30 squad, which is a really big deal considering if there are COVID disruptions. You're probably going to have to lean on every player throughout that top 30 squad even if it's just a training and stepping up and having a bigger role in the team. So I think the Dragons have a very complete top 30 squad, and I think that's going to serve them well throughout this season. They've also got a great junior nursery. I'm feeling as though the Dragons are a genuine dark horse to become one of the competition heavyweights over the next few seasons, and I think as these young guys mature and start to develop, we're going to see the Dragons form into a really strong side. And I think we're going to be regularly, uh, regularly, uh, I'm just skip that word. Uh, we're going to see them quite a bit at finals level uh, over the next decade. One of the young stars in their team that is elite and I really rate highly too is Zach Lomax, who missed last season, or didn't miss all of it, but missed quite a bit of last season through injury and then suspension through the barbecue incident. He is their goal kicker and he is an option. He hasn't debuted for the New South Wales Blues yet but he's definitely an option. So he's a great player for the Dragons to have, and I think we're going to see Zach Lomax's best season to date. Now, in terms of the hooker position, as I was talking about, if McCulloch goes down, then that is a big worry. Jaden Sullivan maybe steps in there, and they get uh, Talatau Amone as the first choice 5'8", which is which, which is the way I think they're already leaning toward. Maybe Hook goes for a value option in terms of buying a dummy half as well, as he did with McCulloch, rather than splashing out on a dummy half, which is why he let the ultra-talented Cam McInnes depart last season, who he was the captain and the most consistent player at the Dragons, but Hook just figured he could get McCulloch to do the same job at a cheaper price. Now, do the Dragons go to the market and look for another dummy half, or are they going to look for within? Do they have a young guy in the system that we don't know about that maybe they think he can make the step up? We'll see how that all goes as the season goes on. Now, I'll quickly look at the gains and losses, and then I will look at the uh, their draw, or their first 10 games I'll have a look at, and then I will have a look at the top 30 squad before I make my official prediction for where I think the Dragons are going to end up this season. So I'm quickly jumping on now to, where are we? Jumping on to the gains and losses for the Illawarra Dragons, wherever the fuck they are. Um, here we go. All right, gains and losses. So we'll start with the losses. They've lost Cam McInnes, as I just said, to the Sharks. That is a big loss, but he was injured all of last season and they went really well without him. Uh, so I think they're already 
quite well equipped to deal with the loss of Cam McInnes. Matt Dufty, another one I touched on earlier, is a really big loss. A lot of their points last season were coming from Matt Dufty, but Hook just didn't seem to see him as the long-term fullback option, so I think they're taking a bit of short-term pain for long-term game, considering they've got guys like Ramsey and Sloan contending for the fullback position. The Dragons have lost Jordan Pereira to the Broncos, who he didn't play a lot of first grade last year, but I think he'll be a great signing for the Broncos. The Dragons have let go of Adam Clune to the Newcastle Knights, who play, he played halfback quite a bit for the Dragons, but he wasn't their first choice anyway. Paul Vaughan has headed to the Bulldogs. He had his contract torn, torn up by the Sharks. The fucking, I'm going to delete that. He had his contract torn up by the Dragons. <laughs> uh, can I just uh, uh, delete this part? Delete, thank you. Uh, Paul Vaughan, who had his contract torn up by the Dragons, he's gone to the Bulldogs. Cade Alice has gone to the Wigan Warriors. Braden Willayame has gone to French Rugby. Corey Norman's decided to retire. I think that's the best move. Uh, no one really needed him as their first choice 5'8". And he had an unbelievable amount of talent and was such a quality player on his day. But sometimes, like, he's got a lot of other successful stuff going on in his life with YT, KR, uh, and things like that. So I think sometimes footy isn't everything, and he's got a lot of big projects going on in his life as well. And so I'm sure the love was still there, but I just, I don't know if, like, that full passion to be like at the elite level uh, and competitive every week. I don't know if he was up to that. I just, I don't know, because there weren't a heap of options out there. Uh, retirement, I don't know. There were other places he could have gone, but yeah, I'm happy with that. He, I'm sure he'll be good, good, you know, in retirement. I don't think he'll struggle too much. He's a pretty switched on guy. Uh, so Corey Norman, he's retired. I think that's a great move. I actually like Talatau Money and Jaden Sullivan a lot more as options, even if they're not as good straight off the bat. I think long-term, it's time to get them in there and get them playing some first grade. Uh, the Dragons have also lost Jared Beal, Billy Britton, and Hayden Lomax, who they've all released. So that is the losses for 2022 for the Dragons. Now for their gains, they've got Jaden Sewer coming over from the Rabbitohs, last season's runners-up. Uh, Jaden Sewer also played Queensland Origin, he got dropped for the Rabbitohs last season, though, uh, but he has played for Queensland in the state of origin. And Sewer also started his career at the Brisbane Broncos, uh, just keeping with that Broncos trend throughout the Dragons squad. Another former uh, Dragon, former Dragon in the Dragons squad. Another former Bronco in the Dragons squad is Francis Molo, who also made his Queensland origin debut last year. He's coming over from the Cowboys, and he is going to be one of those experienced signings when I was saying they've got a lot of quality, uh, more experienced guys coming in. Francis Molo is one of them. He's, they signed him before he made his Queensland debut too, so they wouldn't be paying overs for him. And I think Francis Molo is an exceptional signing for the Dragons. The Dragons have also signed George Burgess from Wigan, uh, premiership winning prop. He's not been at his best because of injuries, but he's on an incentives-based deal, another great signing another great experience signing there are incentives and things so he has to perform he has to be fit he has to be playing games uh, and get through a certain amount of games so that's another perfect signing because it's not like they're paying overs for him and they've set it up in a way where if he's injured or things don't go to plan it's not going to burn them too much uh, and the upside of it is huge if George Burgess gets to his best form 
then that he could be anything and the Dragons could be anything. We've seen how good Tom Burgess has been as he's matured later in his career. And George is his twin, so hopefully some twin magic goes on and we see the best from George Burgess in 2022. Coming over from the West Tigers, we've got Moses Embai, a player with plenty of question marks over him. He could be in contention for the starting half spot. That's not something I'd like to see. And now that I think of it, he could actually be a major, major uh, depth signing in terms of filling that hooker position, which I've talked about. Uh, if Andrew McCulloch does go down, then maybe Moses Embai steps into the hooking position. I think they'll start him in the number 14 jersey. Uh, we'll see him coming off the bench because he can play in a variety of positions. But I'm interested to see how they decide to use Moses Embai going into this season. They've also signed Moses Suli, who they tried to get previously. He's coming over from the Seagulls. He was in Korea best form in the last couple of years. Moses Suli is a huge long-term signing for the Dragons. He's still incredibly young. He debuted for the Tigers when he was very young. Went through plenty of struggles, got sacked by the Bulldogs almost immediately. Uh, but <clears throat> since going to the Seagulls, and especially since Des Hasler arrived, Moses Suli has taken his game to new heights. So he's ready to be the elite player that we know he can be. And I think it's a great center pairing with Suli and Lomax for the Dragons. I also think that helps for Jack Bird because now he moves out of the centers and we get to see him in the Fords where I think he's better suited. <coughs> Cough break. <coughs> yeah. We don't... Leave that one in. No. Uh, Aaron Woods from the Sharks, a great experience signing. I've already talked about him a little bit. Is he going to set the world on fire? No, but it's just little additions like this that can all add up, especially with the quality young guys, uh, that can really have them pushing for the top eight this year. They've also signed Joe, uh, Jack Goseski. From the Seagulls, he's a pretty quality back rower. Uh, was actually pretty highly rated coming through the grades. Another great value signing. And they've signed Tautau Moga, who early in his career by Brian Smith, who was the Roosters coach at the time, he was likened to Israel Folau. They were trying to debut him before he was 18 years old. He had so many raps on him, and he's had maybe like four ACL Injuries, he's had a hell of a bad time with injuries, really bad luck. He had quite a good season a couple of years ago at the Broncos under Wayne Bennett, and then he has been at the Knights and the Rabbitohs in the last couple of seasons. So Tautau Moa comes over from the Rabbitohs. He will join the Dragons and be another quality depth signing. I think that uh, reserve grade side is going to be really, really good too because there are guys like Moga and Jonathan Rubin who will mostly be playing in reserve grade. But with their young quality kids, I think Dragons could be a value bet in the New South Wales Cup this year. So that is the 2022 gains and losses. I'll jump onto their draw now and then I'll do their top 30 and then I'll make my prediction and that'll be the podcast. I'll let you know a little bit about why uh, I'm predicting them to finish where I have them. So the Dragons' first 10 games for the season up against... The Warriors in round one, my team, so uh, the Dragons will get smashed. Uh, no, not really. I actually think the Dragons are a major danger, danger team. They figure ways to beat the Warriors a lot, and I think the Dragons have a team that can really trouble the Warriors. In round two, the Dragons will be facing the Panthers, which is a huge game. If they win that, then all of a sudden there's plenty of momentum behind them. In round three, the Dragons will be taking on the Sharks. Uh, they're like rivals, I guess. 
the derby. So that'll be a really big game. The Dragons, that is another winnable one for them. So a pretty good start to the season. Then they'll be playing the Eels at Combank Stadium, another stadium named after a bank. Uh, shit, shit stadium name. Shit stadium. I might even suss the stadium names and just a quick shit or good. Combank Stadium, shit name. Uh, <clears throat> Dragons can definitely beat the Eels. I believe they did last season. I think they might have even been the first team last season to beat the Eels. Then, I don't know where this one is. This one, Acor Stadium. Uh, that's a new one. Uh, I'm going to say, I don't know if good or shit. It's not good. I don't know if it's shit. It's better than Combank. Uh, and it'll be the Rabbitohs and the Dragons. Now, I think the Rabbitohs should win that. But they've lost Adam Reynolds. Uh, they've got a couple of other changes. And if the Dragons can start their season with plenty of momentum, then that is another game they can win. Then at Wynn Stadium, uh, that's a good stadium name. Uh, I've got the Dragons beating the Knights at this stage. Now, uh, my tip could definitely change by the time it's being played. But I think that's another winnable game for the Dragons. Then the Anzac, ga- uh, Anzac, ga- <laughs> Anzac Day game. Uh, yeah, easy mistake to make. Uh, the Dragons and the Roosters at the Sydney Cricket Ground. That will be a great contest for Anzac Day. Then we've got Dragons and the Tigers. I've got Tigers finishing last, so naturally I'll say the Dragons will win that, but the Tigers could definitely surprise me. Then in round nine, going to Amy Park, the Dragons will be facing the Storm. That'll be a really tough game. Uh, The Storm at Amy Park is always one of the hardest games to win in any NRL regular season, so I don't know if the Dragons will get up there, but... It's a mixed draw. There are some tough matches in there, but I think we'll know a lot about where the Dragons are at in the first 10 rounds because they tend to go really well early in the season and then they can fade out. But if they can have a good start against these quality teams, then I think they will be able to consistently maintain that throughout the season and push for the finals this year. In round 10, they'll be taking on the Gold Coast Titans. That'll be another really good game. I'm interested to see how that will play out. So I'll jump onto their top 30 now. I'll just read the players' names. If anyone has, if there's anyone I have a note on, then I'll just add that extra note. So on their development list, they've got Jonathan Rubin, who I've already mentioned, and they have Shalom Ofu, who is supposedly a really good, or Ofu, who is supposedly a really good back rower. They have high wraps on him. I think we'll see him make his NRL debut this year. So the Dragons have Daniel Alfaro, quality prop, was implicated in the barbecue incident last season. He also came to the New Zealand Warriors on loan from the Eels a a couple of years ago now. Uh, I really back the guys who all came to the Warriors, played for my team on loan. So I like Alvaro. I hope he goes well. It's the same case for Paosa Falmasili. He came over to the Warriors from the Roosters. He now finds himself in the Dragons' top 30 squad. They've got Talatau Amone, who will be pushing for that starting 5'8 position to start the year. Jack Bird, my X-Factor player. George Burgess, uh, who I've mentioned. Billy Burns, who came over from the Panthers. Jack DeBellin, who is a massive inclusion back into this squad. You've got the Fair Guy twins, Matt and Max, who are both exceptional talents. They played in the Australian schoolboys with names like Reese Walsh and Sam Walker, so they are highly thought-of talents. Jackson Ford, really hardworking and underrated Ford for the Dragons. I think we'll see him make some more appearances this year. He's off contract, so maybe he'll sign with another team uh, if he doesn't get too much of a go in first grade. 
maybe the Dolphins or he could go to another New South Wales-based club. But the Dolphins are looking for quality signings. I think Jackson Ford would actually fit the bill. Is a good value, really quality NRL-ready signing. The Dragons have Tyrell Fuimeono, who it can play in a multitude of positions, center, back row. Uh, was a really quality junior standout when he started at the Eels as well. So I think we're going to see more from Fuimeono this year. I think he's going to step up in terms of his role in the team. Jack Gozieski, who I mentioned earlier, Ben Hunt, the captain, inspirational, another big year ahead for him. Hopefully he can stay fit. Josh Kerr, who I think I like him better as a prop, but he played a lot of back row last year under Anthony Griffin. Uh, I think we'll see him start off the bench this year, maybe at prop, but they have signed a lot of props, so maybe they'll persist with him in the back row. Speaking of props, Blake Laurie is one of their standout young props who they've been building around for a while now. He is a major part of their best 17. I don't know whether he will start the season in the 13, but I think we will see him in their best 17. Then there's Zach Lomax, who is signed long-term to the club, one of the young stars that they are building the Dragons around. Moses Embai coming from the Tigers. Andrew McCulloch, major, major issues if he goes down this season at dummy half. Josh McGuire coming off contract. Tao Moa, Francis Molo. Cody Ramsey, who will be looking to jump into that fullback uh, jersey this season. Makale Ravalawa. Tarek Sims, Jaden Sewer, Moses Suley, Jaden Sullivan, who'll also be going for the halves position and long term as well because he is signed until the end of 2025. Uh, Aaron Woods. And then lastly, I have got my one to watch. So in every podcast, I've been listing a young player to watch. My one to watch, I've gone Tyrell Sloan. I think he's going to nail down the fullback jersey. I don't know if he gets it in round one, but I think as the season progresses, we're going to see that this jersey should be Tyrell Sloan's. He's my one to watch. I think he is an exceptional young talent, and I think he's going to go up in leaps and bounds. I think we're going to see major improvements quite rapidly, and I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I really like him in terms of the Dragons' fullback prospects long term. So I'll get to my predictions now, and then I will wrap it up. Uh, in terms of my prediction, I, I'm denied with the latter. I think if anyone's going to surprise me, and make the top eight that I don't have from outside it. It is the Dragons. Uh, and I'll tell you why I don't have them outside the eight after my prediction. But I've gone the Dragons in 11th. Sorry to any Dragons fans. I think they're going to have a great season. But this is why I have them in 11th. I think they'll go really well. But at the moment, they just need that right kind of development mix. And they've got all these young guys. But I think it's just going to take a year or a season with these experienced guys and the young guys to work out who fits where, like who's their long-term fullback, who's their long-term 5'8", who's going to be their long-term dummy half eventually once Andrew McCulloch goes down. So I think if we see some injuries and things, uh, then that might hamper them a bit. But I've got the – overall, I'm really positive about the Dragons this season. Uh, I just don't have them making the eight. I will be really, really happy if they do. They're one of the teams I'll kind of be backing. I'll be supporting uh, if they're not playing my own team, or the Warriors, or if they're not playing the Raiders. I really like the Dragons, so I'll be more than happy uh, if they prove me wrong. I think they have an extremely bright future, but I just think it'll take a season or two to work out who the long-term options are in a lot of key positions. But as I said earlier, I think the Dragons are a future powerhouse of the competition. I think they're just slow. It's a slow build. 
They've got the experienced guys now to help bring the young guys along. And I think this season's going to be a bit of a journey. Hopefully they make the eight if you're a Dragons fan, but I've got them missing it this year. Uh, but I think it's a long, longer-term view. It's a bigger-picture view, and overall I have really high wraps on the future of the Dragons. I think there is a premiership in your future in the next, hopefully for your sake, 10 years, but we'll just see... We'll see how everything develops, and I think if things go well, then you'll be in the premiership window in the next year or two. So really exciting times for the Dragons fans. Hopefully you can make the eight, but I had to make a prediction. I have gone the St. George Illawarra Dragons at 11th. I just think some changes and slowly trying to work out the best positions and the best way to utilize the 17. I think that'll take some time, and that is the only reason why I don't have the Dragons in my top eight. So yeah, to wrap up this Dragons podcast, I have got the St. George Illawarra Dragons finishing in the NRL 2022 season in 11th position on the ladder. So Dragons in 11th, that is it for my preview and predictions for the year. Next up, I'll be doing the Canberra Raiders. Uh, and if you want to support the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report and also follow me on Spotify. You'll be able to see whenever new NRL content is posted as well as heaps of other things coming up. So that's it for now. I've got the Dragons finishing in 11th. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Next up will be the Raiders. That'll be coming out in a day or two. I'm going to start smashing out my NRL previews pretty quickly because the season is approaching. We are just over a month away, so there will be plenty of NRL previews coming up. That's why it's handy to follow on Spotify because then you'll just know. You'll know. I won't have to tell you... But I don't mind telling you, hey, if you like, feel like you're like, fuck this guy, don't, he's telling me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. You don't have to follow it on Spotify if you don't want to. I'll, I'll keep telling you. I'm going to keep telling you anyway. So, uh, yeah, but if you do, thanks. If you don't, thanks. You made it to the end of the podcast, I assume. So, thanks, equally. Uh, next up, Canberra Raiders. That is it for now. So until next time, take care of yourselves and have a great weekend.